And I, I just want to read it this morning. The Bible says, the psalmist, as he, he was sharing, he said, uh, when I felt secure, I said, I will never be shaken. Oh, Lord, you favored me. You, you made my mountain stand firm. But there came a point where you hid your face, and I was dismayed. And to you, O Lord, I called. To the Lord, I cried for mercy. What gain is there in my destruction? And my going down into the pit, will the dust praise you? Will it proclaim your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, hear. Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me. O Lord, be my help. And then he says, you turned, looking back, you turned my wailing or my mourning into dancing. And you removed my sackcloth, this picture of grief, and clothed me with joy. That my heart may sing to you and not be silent. Oh, Lord, my God, I will give you thanks forever. You know, you may be here today and we sang... You turn graves into gardens. And this morning, if you were able to be honest, you'd say, my heart's a grave. My heart's a grave. I'm not, I'm not letting anyone else know that. But my heart is dry. And I'm weary. And I'm tired. And the good news is that Jesus Christ is Lord. And he is all-powerful. He has all power. And he has a desire for you as you call upon him and say, Lord, just like the psalmist, say, Lord, help me to lift you up and fill you with the spirit and turn your uh, grave into a garden. Amen. Would you stand with me as we turn to Acts 15? This is our scripture for the morning. Acts 15. And I'm going to begin reading in, uh, at the end of verse 35 through the end of the chapter. And I'm reading from the NIV. Paul and Barnabas remained at Antioch, where they and many others taught and preached the word of the Lord. And then sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the brothers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord. Let's see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them, but Paul did not. He didn't think it was wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and not continued with them in the work. And they had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria, Cilicia, strengthening the churches. You may be seated as a pray. Father, this morning we come before you, and just as it has been prayed already, Lord, we pray that you would open our eyes open our ears, open our hearts, not to a person, not to an individual, but to the word of God today. Lord, we pray that your spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit would speak to us today and that we would see you and respond. And we pray this in Jesus' name. 
I tried and tried as I prepared for this scripture. I said, Lord, I, I don't think that uh, this is true. I'm, I'm not making this up. This is real. I said, Lord, I don't think I should walk through. I don't think I should do this. And he would not, he would not let me. He, he said, no, I want you to do this. And the thing is, I don't think that we can properly understand what is taking place between Paul and Barnabas unless we back up and we see the context, the big picture, the forest, and then we'll be able to see the trees. So we're just going to walk for a few minutes through this book, okay? We'll get out of here about 4 or 5 o'clock this afternoon, and you all are, no, this won't take that long. So Jesus is Lord Christ is Lord, and he is accomplishing the advancement of the gospel. That's what's happening in in Acts. And first he's going to do it with the Jews and the Jewish people and those who call upon Yahweh. And so it was the time of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, and uh, Peter, he stands and he says to the people... um, He says, with many other words, uh, the Bible says, with many other words, Peter warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. It says, the people in verse 37, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter replied, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for those who are far off and for all whom the Lord will call. And so what's happening here is what was prophesied by Ezekiel. Ezekiel 36, he says, I am going to remove from you a heart of stone. I'm going to give you a heart of flesh, and I'm going to put my spirit within you. And so we see this happening. Christ is... He has died on the cross, he's, he's been buried, he uh, rose from the dead, and he ascended to the Father, and just as he promised, he sent the Holy Spirit. And he sends the Holy Spirit among the, among the people that believe upon him. And so, we're moving along here, and we see in uh, chapter 4 that Christ is uh, accomplishing his work by introducing leadership to the church. All right? And so Peter and John, they're walking through the temple. And John, uh, Peter sees someone who cannot walk. And uh, silver and gold I do not have to give to you. But what I do, I give in the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. And this man is healed. And uh, this causes quite a great stir, as you can imagine. And so they're called before the, the leaders of the opposition and uh, the leaders are expecting for this to be over like that. But they're astonished. And the people are astonished because they, they realize that these unlearned men who are ordinary are speaking with wisdom. And they're speaking with knowledge. And they're speaking with boldness in the name of Jesus. And so they let them go. And so... The Lord, Christ the Lord, is advancing the gospel through the leadership of the church. He's establishing the leadership of the church. We get to uh, chapter 6. And we see that the Lord 
puts on the heart of the the apostles. We need to be in the word. We need to be in prayer. And so they appoint the seven. They said, we need to find men who are full of wisdom and full of the Holy Spirit. And so Stephen happened to be one of those men. So did Philip. So was Philip. And so in chapter 7, Stephen is accused of blasphemy. See, the church is growing. God is working. God is moving. The spirit of Jesus is there. And that hatred, that same hatred that existed for Jesus was coming out. It was coming out against his people. Remember what Jesus said to his disciples? In this world, you will have many troubles, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Jesus told them that this was going to happen. And so Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, brought before the high priest, he begins to, all the way from Abram, Abraham, Moses, the prophets, he walks them through and he says, this is how God has worked. And ultimately, it comes down to Jesus Christ. And he said, you are a stiff-necked people. He didn't start with that. He started graciously. But he built up because it was the word of the Lord. He said, you're a stiff-necked people. You have uncircumcised ears and uncircumcised eyes. In other words, you cannot see the revelation of the Lord. They had had enough. He hit their trigger words, right? And they took him out, and he was murdered through stoning. And who stood there approving and affirming this? Saul. You're right, Saul. And so amazing, uh, it was amazing what God did through Saul, because Saul... He was bent upon persecuting the church. That was his heart. And he was going to snuff out this rebellion against Yahweh. His eyes were not opened yet. His ears were not opened. And yet something happens. For those of you that have grown up in the church, you know what happens. He is going down out of Jerusalem, working his way to Damascus. And on the road to Damascus, he is blinded by a light. And he hears a voice. And the voice says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And so at that point, um, eventually he is led to meet with someone. And he confesses his faith in the Lord. The, the blindness fall, falls off his eyes like scales. He can see. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. His heart of stone is replaced with the heart of flesh. And he has the Spirit of God. Christ is Lord, and he's advancing his gospel. Okay, and so he does it through Saul. And then we move on. Many things are happening. Uh, Philip had already shared as an evangelist with the Ethiopian, and, and we know that was moving into Africa. We get to chapter 10. And something amazing happens. God speaks to Peter while he is calling a man unto himself named Cornelius. Cornelius, of course, a centurion in the Roman guard. Very powerful man, man with a lot of authority. He's in Caesarea. Philip's, uh, Peter's somewhere else. But the Lord uh, encourages Peter, uh, do not call unclean what I call clean. In other words, just as from the very beginning, the Lord has a heart for the nations. And so 
God leads Peter to Cornelius' house. Now, Peter does something that is highly unusual. He goes into the, 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 the home and to the premises. He doesn't stay outside because the Gentiles are unclean. Why would I go in there? But he goes into this home. Gathered together with the family and friends of Cornelius, he shares the gospel. I want to read to you the response. In chapter 10, verse 43, all the prophets testify about Christ that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. And while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came upon those who heard the message and the circumcised believers, the Jews, who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out to even the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking just as they had at Pentecost. And so God poured out his Holy Spirit upon the Gentiles. And so Christ is Lord, and he's advancing the gospel. Nothing can stop him. No one can stop him. And so just about this time, there was a great stir in Antioch. And um, persecuted believers had spread all over the region. And they were in this area. And they were sharing with the Greeks what God had done. And Greeks were coming to faith in Christ. And so the, the leaders in Jerusalem, they said, we need to send someone up there to encourage them. So we're going to send Joseph. Am I right? Yes. His nickname, we may know him better by Barnabas, son of encouragement. And so Barnabas goes to Antioch and he does exactly what they knew he would do. Barnabas and others He encourages them in the faith. He builds them up. And you know what Barnabas does? He says, there's so much work of God going on here. I remember that fellow Saul who is very zealous and has a heart for the gospel of Christ. I'm going to go get him and bring him back here. And so that's what Barnabas does. It's significant. He didn't have to do that. But he was led by the Spirit. He was a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit. He goes all the way to Tarsus, where where Saul had been. And he brings him back to Antioch. And so they minister together, and they see a great, great uh, response to the gospel. Now, persecution is growing and building and building and building. And in Jerusalem, Herod, he comes against the church. He was probably agitated by the opposition and the Christians and all that was going on. And he says, I'm going to put a stop to this. He, by sword, the Bible says, by sword, he kills James. Okay, the brother of John. And he had Peter put in prison. Now, how you doing? Everybody doing all right? Now, Peter... Peter was put in prison. There was a group, the church. They were gathered together, and they were in a home because that's where churches gathered then, in homes. 
They were gathered in a large home of someone that was had enough to have a large home. All right? And so they were uh, praying. The name of this person that owned the home, her name was Mary. And she had a son that we know as John Mark. This was John Mark's home. This was Mark's home. So we'll put a little note and remember that. And as they're praying for Peter, God does something miraculous. His chains come off. The angel of the Lord comes, escorts him right out of the prison as the soldiers were sleeping. And uh, something had come over them. God had brought them to a great sleep. And so Peter goes to the home. They think he's a ghost. He says, no, no, no. This is Peter. I'm here. And so the church of God. See, it looked like the church was down for the count. But Christ is Lord and he's advancing the gospel. Do we see it? Over and over and over. You cannot stop the kingdom of God. You cannot stop God's work. And so uh, God continues to move. And, and we come to uh, chapter 13. Now, the church at Antioch, not far from Jerusalem, by the way, but just, just down the road, the church at Antioch was becoming very strong. In fact, they were so strong at this point that as they were praying, the Holy Spirit says, set aside Paul and Barnabas and send them on mission. And so Paul and Barnabas set off and they go on what we know as Paul's first missionary okay, journey. And they took someone with them, Barnabas's cousin, John Mark. All right? Now, Do you think that this mission was going to be easy? Not in this sending. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. It's not. It's not going to be easy. They head to Cyprus first. Why did they, why'd they go to Cyprus? Well, that was, where, that was where Barnabas was from. In fact, early on in, 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 in Acts chapter 4, it said, Barnabas, a man, sold his land and brought the proceeds to. He sold his land where? Cyprus. He was from Cyprus. He was a man of great means. He was a towering man. He was an influential man. People tended to listen to him. They were drawn to him. So they go to Cyprus first, John Mark with him. I have a feeling John Mark had been there before. They were cousins. And so, but when they take off from Cyprus, and they, you had to sail to get to Cyprus. When they take off from Cyprus and they get back to the mainland, and Paul and Barnabas are going to head off, and they're going to continue on the journey. John does something that the Bible just makes a little footnote about. He, he parts from them and he heads back to Jerusalem. The Bible doesn't say why. It doesn't, it doesn't give a reason. It just says that he no longer accompanied them. He departed from them and he went on. Paul and Barnabas, they go through their mission. And... Uh, it's tough. Folks, it's really tough. It says in Iconium, in, in chapter 14, that there was a plot to kill them. They had to flee. You come to, uh, uh, they, they had passed through uh, Pisidia and they were kicked out. And then you come over uh, on in, later into chapter 14 
And it says that uh, they were, uh, Lystra and Derby, they were, they were dragged off, okay? Uh, people, there, people there had uh, called them Zeus and Hermes, and, and uh, they said, no, no, don't worship us, worship the living God. But there was a stir, and the Jews didn't like it. And so uh, they were wrecked. They were wrecked. And you would think, by the way, at this point, that, uh, okay, we'll just head on back to Antioch the church that sent us. But Paul and Barnabas uh, said, no, let's go back to all the churches and all the cities we were just kicked out of and let's strengthen the churches in the faith. You see why? Because Christ is Lord and he is going to advance his gospel and nothing and no one is going to be able to stop him from that. And so they did that. They went, they went throughout that same path And they strengthened those same churches in the same places where they had been kicked out. Now, who am I talking about right now? You said, I can't remember, Kyle, we talked about so many people. Who we're talking about right now is Paul and Barnabas. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time you took a a working mission or some type of service-oriented trip or a short-term mission with one or two or five or ten others. Maybe you were together for five days. How, how well do you feel you know those folks when you get back? You've shared, you've shared something that is it's inexplicable, really. You have a shared experience. And what I'm trying to say is there was a bond at this point between Paul and Barnabas. They were, they had been, listen, they had been dragged out of cities. They had been, there was plots to kill them. They were brothers in the faith, okay? And so now they return to Antioch and they share all the great things that the Lord had done on their mission. And they encourage the church at Antioch, stay strong, keep following the Lord. Now, as they're there, we're almost to our passage. As they are in Antioch, it says some, uh, some Jews came down from Judea. Uh, they wanted to check out and make sure everything was going all right. We talked about this last week. These were Judaizers. They said, you need to, you need to believe in Christ, but we're going to add the law of Moses to the Hellenists, the Greeks, the Gentiles. We're going to add the law. And it says that together, Paul and Barnabas sharply disagreed with these Judaizers. And they protected the integrity of the gospel. Okay? Now, later in the chapter, Paul and Barnabas are going to have a sharp disagreement. But here they're together. And so uh, what are they protecting? A primary issue of the gospel of Jesus Christ. A primary issue that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. Okay? And so they take a trip. They say, we're going we're gonna to get a word on this from the officials, leaders in Jerusalem. And so they go to Jerusalem, and they're all gathered together. It's a very... It's an assembly of all the great leaders of the church. And it says that Peter stood up first. 
And he gave his address as to why the law should not be added to grace and faith in Christ alone. And then it says Paul and Barnabas stood up and they gave a witness of the true gospel. And finally, James spoke, half-brother of Jesus, and he says, uh, this is what we ought to do. And the church was in complete agreement and they were in unity. Don't you know that that was a... Listen, at one point, these same apostles, many of them, anyhow, they were too, they were, they were afraid to talk to, then uh, we called him Saul, but they were afraid to talk to Paul. And Barnabas had introduced him to these apostles. Don't you know this was a crowning moment for Paul? Paul had done a lot. But can you imagine the, I mean, Peter speaks and then Paul gets to share. Paul was kind of known as the spokesman of the two, so I'm sure he did most of the talking. And, and then James. And so they're all in agreement. And I imagine this is where Paul really struck it up with Silas possibly as well. And so, because Silas was from Jerusalem. And so what they decided is, okay, here we're going to put this letter together. And we're going to send it. It's official word from the leadership. And we're going to send Paul and Barnabas. And we'll send uh, Silas and, and, and Judas along with them. Okay, and some others. And so they go back to Antioch, and they basically told them, you don't need to worry about the law. What you need to worry about, what you need to be concerned with, pardon me, is that we place our faith in Christ. It is by grace. It's our faith in what Christ did on the cross that justifies us, not works of the law. And at this point, um, the people embraced it, and they welcomed it, and they said, all right, let's go. And so at this time, most of those that had come from Jerusalem, they, they headed back, all right? Silas stayed behind, and it says Paul and Barnabas continued preaching. And now we reach Acts 15, verse 35. So if you look at that with me. It says, Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, where they and many others taught and preached the word of the Lord. Now, sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the brothers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. No matter what has happened, persecution, internal Challenges, no matter what has happened, Christ is Lord and he has been advancing the gospel to the Jews, to the Greeks, to the Gentiles, on and on and on and on. All the way we've seen it. And so one of the things we know is that Christ is going to advance the gospel. And Christ works through the leading of his spirit. So we want to see that. Christ leads through the leading of the Spirit. Why would Paul say something like, let us go back and visit the brothers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord? He would say that because the Spirit put this on his heart. See, the Bible says that Paul was full of the Spirit. Luke had already said that Barnabas was a man full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. 
And so when God, when we are surrendered to God and he's working through us and in us, he is going to speak to us and lead us by his Holy Spirit to accomplish his mission. All right? And so we're moving on here. And we see in verse 37, Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. Now, I do not believe that this is the primary focus of this passage. I'll tell you why. Because the Bible mentions it and moves on. Okay? It's significant. We're supposed to learn from it. But the significance is Christ is advancing his gospel. Now, what was the nature of their disagreement? They had a disagreement. But what was the nature of their disagreement? Well, when you look into the scripture, first and foremost, we see this is a disagreement between two brothers in the faith. It was not a disagreement between membership and leadership of a church. It was not a disagreement between one faction of a church and another faction of a church, and they're going to part ways. It's not a disagreement um, that uh, it was individual. It was personalized. It was, it was peer-to-peer. It was brother-to-brother. The next thing we notice is that this is a disagreement of conviction. You know, Paul and Barnabas had sharply disagreed with the Judaizers. Why? Because the gospel was at stake. And so they took it to the leaders in Jerusalem. That's not the case here. That's not the case. These men had specific personalities. They were wired a certain way. They had specific giftings. And the Holy Spirit was at work in them. And so we realize that Christ works through gospel transformation. You see, these men were humbled to the Lord. They had given their lives fully to the Lord. They were living for the Lord. They loved the Lord. Both of them loved the Lord. And it just so happens that through their specific personalities and their giftings, that God, uh, he, he saw fit to work uh, through this disagreement. Now, this was a disagreement of conviction, okay? And conviction is the, this deep feeling deep down within our soul that we need to go about this this way. And we can understand that. I think the only person in the room that couldn't understand that. Having a conviction, if we're, we know we're right with the Lord, we're full of the Holy Spirit, we have a conviction about something. It's not a primary issue. The gospel's not at stake. We're not saying that the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit are not one. We're not saying that Christ didn't physically raise from the dead. But it's just a conviction based on our personality, our gifting, that we need to go about doing something a certain way, okay? And like I said, it was interpersonal. It was person to person. And so what is amazing to me is that 
Christ accomplishes his work through the will of the Father. You see, God had a greater plan than even these men could understand. He was advancing the gospel of the kingdom. He advanced the gospel of the kingdom in the face of persecution. He advanced the gospel of the kingdom in the face of the church working together and and going on mission. And here, he advances the gospel of the kingdom through two men having a disagreement about how to go about something. How do I know that? Paul and Silas, and they picked up Timothy, they would go on in this next missionary journey, and the gospel would be taken to what we know today as the soil of Europe for the first time. And Barnabas took his cousin Mark. By the way, this wasn't the first time Mark had left someone. He writes about it himself. But Barnabas discipled Mark. We know that because of comments that are made throughout the rest of the New Testament. In fact, one of the last things Paul said in his last letter as he was facing imminent death, he said, only Luke is left. Bring Mark to me because he is useful to me. He is useful to me. And so Mark... God used him. You see, Mark had left Christ on that night when Christ was arrested in the garden. He was a young guy. He was looking and uh, he could see Christ. He could see him being arrested. He doesn't name himself. Scholars are in agreement that this is very common in antiquity. And the soldiers took hold of him, a young boy as he called him. And uh, he, ha- he only had basically his, his night shirt on. And he, he, he wrestled his, himself away from them. And, and, it, and the Bible says he ran away without any clothes on. He, he remembered this. But don't you know that he looked back at that time that he left Jesus He left Jesus. He left him. And for whatever reason, Mark left Paul and Barnabas. We don't know why, but he did. He left them. But God had a greater plan. What I want to say to you today is this. If you hear nothing else, you may feel like no one knows your name. You may feel like I'm not a... I'm not like Pastor Rob. I'm not a great orator. I'm not, God hasn't called me to, to lead a church. Uh, maybe you feel like I'm, I'm retired. I'm past the, age, the working age. Maybe you feel like, you know, I'm stuck in this career. And, but I've got to do it. I have responsibilities. How can the Lord use me? Well, guess what? God's not done with you. Amen? God is not done with you. And God is not done with you, students, and those who are young and in college. He has great plans for you. And so what the Lord does through Mark is within the next 10 years, over the next 10 years, Mark writes what we know as the gospel of Mark. It was the first gospel. 
And it was the gospel that Luke and Matthew both used as a guide as they were writing their account, their personalized, authentic account of the gospel. But Mark was the first. See, God wasn't finished with Mark. Because Christ is Lord, and he is going to advance his gospel. And no one and nothing is going to stop him. Amen? So the question for us today is, are we open to the movement of the Spirit of the Lord in our heart? Are we surrendering ourselves to him? God, take my heart. Lord, I know I haven't walked with you the way that I need to. Hear the Lord's voice. Hear him reaching out. He's a gracious, gracious and merciful God. And for those who call upon him in faith, believing upon his sacrifice and his provision on the cross that he has made, he will rescue and he will fill you with his spirit. And he will do mighty things with you. Church, I want you to believe that today. I want you to believe that today. And maybe you are here today and you said, you know what? I don't understand any of this. I don't know what we've been talking about. I've never heard it before. But you do know this, that God is drawing you to himself. And what I would say to you today is, the Bible says, if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. Confess Christ as Lord today. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and we confess, Lord, that we need you. We confess that we are ruined without you. Lord, there's not a day in this life that we do not need to rely upon you for everything. We thank you, Lord, that you have a mission and you have invited us to be a part of that mission because you are ascending God. Lord, I pray right now by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would draw everyone to yourself and help us respond to you in worship appropriately. And so just as we continue right now, as you just, I would just invite you to bow your heads and, and close your eyes only to concentrate, just to concentrate.